Welcome to Project Healing, a podcast about growth, authenticity, and difficult conversations. Here, you'll find a mix of real-life experiences, inspiring humans, and some spiritual insight. I'm your host, Jenna Krasinski, and I believe that we truly have to feel our pain in order to heal it. Community is a huge part of the process of healing, and I invite you to come along and dance through the ups and downs of life. This is Project Healing. Welcome back to Project Healing. I'm your host, Jenna Korzynski, and today I am joined by Dr. Liz Dubois, who is an executive coach who specializes in trauma and family conflict. Hi, Liz. Hi. Thanks for having me so much, Jenna. Of course. Happy to have you here. Um, Now, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Dr. Liz Dubois. Um, I'm a social psychologist by practice, by training. I have a PhD in conflict resolution, master's in sociology, and have worked on different kinds of trauma in four different countries over 11 years uh, and, and come from a nonprofit executive background. So I had the benefit of getting to work in a lot of different cultures in a lot of different social settings and seeing a lot of different ways in which people get trapped in social narratives because I was coming at it from a sociological research lens. So seeing trauma through the lens of family conflict and from, I call it societal BS. Um, And then as I was working with people one-on-one had left the nonprofit sector and had gone into healing and coaching, um, I realized I was getting imagery and words that were not my own. I'm, I'm really smart, but not this smart. And so I um, I would say what I was seeing and a client would be like, yes, that's exactly what's going on. And so I went from my work was really grounded in my research and my, my background in understanding trauma and seeing it through these different lenses to understanding trauma, seeing it through these different lenses, and then getting like a spiritual like assist from the on manifesto and being like, okay, this is what's going on. Um, and so my practice really evolved after that. I, I left coaching within a law firm and went out on my own and started incorporating these different spiritual modalities. Um, so that's what I, who I am. Um, I work with people in a couple different ways. I have a mastermind, I have a course on money trauma, I have a course on codependency. Um, and then I work with people one-on-one and I've got two books coming out this year. So wow. lots of different All stuff. Right. <laughs> You're staying busy. I love that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> in an um, abundant way. <laughs> in an abundant way. So b- before we jump into it, I, I want to call it, I want to use the invocation that I use at the beginning of sessions with clients because it is something so important, not just when we're doing client work, I think, but but when we're thinking about healing, being conscientious of the fact that that it's not us, we're just the tip of the iceberg and we're surrounded by the unmanifested spiritual world, right? And I'm intentionally saying, spiritual world with that disclaimer at the beginning that it's unmanifested because we are part of the spiritual world, right? And and seeing ourselves as part of as opposed to separate from, I think is is a component of healing. Um, so let's just let's just call our people in. I always tell people take a couple deep breaths and just center yourself in this moment. And call to mind your intention for this conversation. Calling on the spirits of the highest dimensions, our brothers and sisters of light, our ancestors, our loved ones, our galactic star families, the unmanifested, the da Vinci energy. I ask that you make me and my friend Jenna conduits for the healing of anyone listening to this podcast. Only the highest forms of love may enter this channel. Only the highest forms of love may enter here. And so it is. 
it is. I love that. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now we got our, our peeps here. I mean, they're never not here, right? But but right. intentionally, intentionally welcome in. I find that the unmanifested spiritual world have really good boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And like just being cognizant of like you have support at all times um, and being able to ask for that, I think, and being willing to ask for that and, and having courage and faith that you're not going to get dropped on your ass, right? Yes. I yeah. think is an yeah. important an important thing, but we can, we can talk a little bit about that in terms of, uh, abundance and money trauma, which is a big component of what I work with people on, whether I'm working with someone who's an eight figure CEO, right. And has been running companies for a very long time, or perhaps they're an executive within the government, um, or newbie entrepreneurs who are at the start of a journey or someone that's been in a marriage for a really long time that's stale and they feel like they can't leave. Um, money is almost always a component of what we're working on because we have so many deep seated cultural narratives around what it means to be wealthy, what it means to be poor and what's like, who's good and who's bad. A lot of that is grounded in different things about money. And so it's a huge yeah. aspect of my work. Oh, yes. I, you know, you're, you're so right. You, when I, when you said money as like just a societal norm, right. And the, mm-hmm. the, the thoughts that we have around money, the first thing that popped into my head is money makes the world go round. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, it's like uh, cringy almost right. The spiritual side of me is like, no, it's love. Right. But, but money is also, it's an energy exchange as well. So, um, I know that was a huge, a lot of, a huge barrier for me was my, the fear that I had around money and income and abundance and all of that and what I was programmed to believe in. So, um, I mean, how, how did you fall into this? Like, this is something that you work with people, but what's, Mm -hmm. what's your story? Oh gosh. What's my story? You know, (laughs) I think it would be more interesting. Could we just channel on this for a hot second? Because what you're talking about is something so important. Okay. And they're just kind of like, we'll kick in on this. Yeah. I love it. What Liz is asking us to speak to is something that we come often into this physical consciousness to address because we think that it is one in the same love and money are one in the same, not in the sense of if you give your child five dollars you are loving them but in the sense of from an energetic frequency frequency standpoint money vibrates at the same frequency as unconditional intense love joy vibration of the intensity of an orgasm yes and when one is in a space of being able to receive pleasure being able to receive safety think uh hmm, Liz is a little uh, saucy, so we're just hoping that everyone listening can uh, ride along. Uh, Think of it as when you are having an orgasm with someone you love. You are able to receive. You are able to be lost in the pleasure and the moment of being in acceptance of abundantly feeling present in your body, present in your moment, present, receiving the love of someone. This is the energy of money, of intense pleasure, of intense safety, of intense taking care of being attuned to one's needs. Money, when personified in this way, can become 
less scary for some and more scary for others. When someone has gone through a profound transaction uh, in the sense of a relationship, whether it is with a parent or a child or a past life or a current life or a boss, and they have come to believe that relationships are not safe, the framework of seeing money as a loving partner can be more difficult. And so we think it is always... hmm, The shortest distance between I have no money and would like some, or I feel bad about having money and I don't know how to fix that. And so I am going to manifest situations where I have to spend a lot of money. Uh, Liz just did this in two ways. Their windshield cracked and they uh, had a little whoopsie driving their yacht. Uh, Liz was uncomfortable with a large chunk of money that had come in and uh, bingo, bingo, there goes $2,500. There are so many ways that our human friends delight in spending money and so many ways that they resent having to spend money and so many ways that they feel dirty and shameful and so many ways that they feel powerful and controlling. Money is a substance that has been misused and misunderstood. And when we take it from the feeling of a physical thing that could be exchanged, a car for a a sack of potatoes, uh, anything that could be purchased with money, money is a substance when one views money as a frequency and says, uh, I wish to allow myself to be in the energetic frequency of money. They are removing layers of trauma and socialized constructs of what money is and what it means. Instead, they say, I wish to experience the energetic frequency of love, of safety of allowance of abundance and they think specifically of experiences that give this uh we will speak to a decision lizzie has made uh they have uh recent she and matthew her beloved they are uh riding a beautiful wave of abundance and they have decided to buy a little jet boat uh to have fun they have a six-year-old and uh, they thought this would be a beautiful way to spend a couple of thousand dollars we will stay in the energetic frequency of love by spending time doing something we love being in the water they are both psychics uh their son is a psychic and they thought this will be a great use of money we will be in the energetic frequency of money when uh A family receives a large sum of money and says immediately, we will pay down our credit card debt. What they are saying is there is something wrong and money can fix it as opposed to there is an opportunity and money can create more joy. Beautiful. Beautiful. You've left me speechless and um, that's pretty hard to do. So here we are. (laughs) I'm like, hold on while I marinate in that for a moment. Yeah. Well, so I've, I've heard some, I mean, they make fun of me. (laughs) Anyway, whatever. I think, you know, the thing that I extract from that, that comes through oftentimes when I'm working with clients is that energy, energy, money is the same energy of love. It is the Mm -hmm. same energy as pleasure. It is the same energy of safety, intense, intense, deep safety, not safety. I'm walking down the street and I have mace in my hand and therefore I feel safe, but the safety you know, think of it as like, a, I always say my inner child and my highest self, like my highest self is a kangaroo and my inner child just needs to like be tucked in the pouch. Oh, and like, I then my, my highest self can kind of hop along, right? My purpose in this life and my inner child can be like safe in that like womb space. Like money is that like deep level, like womb space safety. And like, when we think about money and it feels 
something other than intense pleasure, intense safety, joy, freedom, love, right? If it feels anything other than those things, that's money trauma. If your body in your, your, your nervous system is attuned to feel things, right? That's what we're here to do is to feel things physically in our body and, and express things in the physical world. Um, and so when, when we're growing up, like basic psychology, when we're growing up, your brain needs to believe that your parents know what they're doing because to feel otherwise is very unsafe, right? If a three-year-old has a perception that mom and dad is wrong, they can extrapolate on a nervous system level that perhaps they will die, right? Basic survival, mom and dad will provide for my needs and therefore what they do is right. And so if we have, and we're all this time, we're laying down neurosynaptic pathways, right? So we're, we're building our neural infrastructure throughout our nervous system. And so if you grow up in a home, and many of us do, where there's narratives about money that are other than love, pleasure, safety, right? We then go into the world experiencing money as something other than those things. And every time money comes into our experience, whether it's $10 or a stimulus check or $100,000 that's an inheritance or, you know, whatever, right? A paycheck. Every time we get money, there's feelings that we experience in our body associated with that revenue, right? Or income. We'll call it income. It's money coming in. Income, right? right. If you have a feeling in your body. That, match, that does not match the story that you would like to have in your life. Like the story I wanted to have in my life was that I had no rent payment and no mortgage in the midst of this pandemic. That was, as I wanted to feel like no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, I could keep my little baby kangaroo, my son, safe and whole, right? I didn't, I, I didn't want to end up living with a family member. Like if something went wrong with my job or if something went wrong with my company, I wanted to know that no matter what I could take care of my kid in my home. Right. And so I got rid of a very expensive apartment, manifested a bunch of money, had saved a bunch of money and bought a yacht outright and was like, we live on a boat, which is a whole different story guided by spirit guides. <laughs> but, but we, you know, that was, that was an experience for me because I was not yet at a place in my money trauma healing journey where I was like, money always comes to me. I can always feel safe because money is always coming. I didn't feel that level of safety yet fe- being in an apartment that cost $3,200 a month. I just didn't have that. Yeah. Right. And so now like our slip is paid through the year. We live at the beach. Like we have such a beautiful life. Right. But our, our slip fee is 500 bucks a month and we, and we pay it annually. Right. And so for the rest of the year, we don't have quote a rent payment, right? Like we just, we exist floating here in this beautiful present in, in this Island in Maryland. (laughs) Right. And so I think the, the big key takeaway that I want people to take from that channeled message is if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel pleasure, if you don't feel joy, when you think about money, you have a journey to go on. And the good news is that that doesn't have to be a years long process. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't. When I began to get curious, <laughs> sorry, my cat is like very much interested in leaving the boat. Molly, come here. <laughs> my partner left the hatch open and she's like, perhaps there's a bird um, <laughs> that I could go get. Uh, anyway, when I realized the, the way that my money trauma healing journey started was I got curious about the fact that no matter how much money I made, I always had the same consistent amount of credit card debt, $12,000. Mm. And when I stopped being angry at myself about it, 
which I did for about 14 years and started to get curious about it, right? I was in the midst of a spiritual awakening. I was becoming very, very clear that I was a psychic. I was channeling. I was sitting down every night in my bedroom and just sitting in front of a mirror and asking like, what did my highest self want to say? I, I was not out publicly as a psychic. I wasn't out publicly as bisexual. Like so many things were popping off in my life. Um, but I shifted from being really mad at myself about credit card debt. And right, and we can talk about the sociology of debt and why shame benefits capitalism. That's right. We could go down that route. But I think a more interesting thing for healing is to think about the fact that that you can go from being very angry at yourself to being curious about why there's an energetic threshold, right? And seeing it as such, right? Instead of saying, mm -hmm. I'm just bad with money, saying there's there's something going on here. What might that be, right? Because then we're moving from a place of anger to a place of action. And you can do something when you're sitting in a place of anger. You cannot do anything when you're sitting, action. When you're sitting in anger, you're just feeling the feelings, which is valid and it's helpful and it's healthy to move into something more positive than being angry at yourself, right? That's a long time to be mad. And I, I see this and saw this a lot when I worked strictly in divorce coaching and with, with family conflict was people get into these family conflicts over money and they would liquidate a 401k or they would go, you know, whatever. They would make these huge, they would take out a second mortgage to pay down credit card debt. And it was like, well, in theory, you're doing something good because you're saving the interest right? But what you're actually doing is you're saying, I'm going to buy into this socialized belief that having debt is bad. And so I'm going to put myself in a risky position so that I no longer have debt as opposed to I'm going to hire a lawyer and get a structured settlement and pay this off. And I don't care how long it takes because I know that my worth is infinite and whether or not I have unsecured debt actually doesn't matter one little fart. Right. Yeah. That really speaks to me and my story. Um, I I lived in a household of like, there's not ever going to be enough, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was always the narrative of we won't have enough to do this. We yeah. can't travel because there's not enough. And the holidays yeah. might be tight because there's not enough. Yeah. And so um, I moved out at 17 and went right into working, right into the workforce yeah. and got myself a few credit cards at 18 and you know, did, yep. did the, you know, early. I, I early call it the hamster thing. wheel, yeah. the hamster yeah. wheel of, of I, I have debt. I feel ashamed. I pay it off. I feel good. I feel debt, right. But I, I didn't put anything in savings. So now I have to really maintain this or, oh my God, I'm back in debt. Now I feel bad at, right. I call it the, yes, the fucked up hamster yeah. wheel. It's and just shame. I would do just like you did. You said like you would look at that amount of debt and be like, oh, it's always here. I did yeah. the same thing. My tax return would come and be like, oh, I'm going to pay off some debt. Yeah. And then yeah. I'd be left with nothing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Until I started to really look at that and go, you know, I'm living in this mindset that there will never be enough still. Yeah. And this is why I'm struggling so much to a, get over the fears that I have around it and B, to yep. take care of it. I was yep. like pacifying like little by little, like, oh, paying this big chunk makes me feel good. Yes. But at the end of the yes. day, yeah. So that I really resonate with what you were saying. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's in my head now. Thank you. <laughs> you have that access to that feeling the second you decide that you are financially free. Mm -hmm. We, in this culture, I can't speak to all cultures. In this culture, we don't have debtor's prison, right? Like we just don't. We don't have debtor's prison. And so if you can get to a place baseline where you say, I am financially free because they, I don't have debtor's prison, right? Hanging over my head. 
that does not mean you don't have a mortgage. It doesn't mean you don't have a car payment. It doesn't mean that you don't have a rent payment. It doesn't mean that you don't have $437,000 in credit card debt. But you constitutionally have a right to parent your children. And until a court can prove that you are not capable of parenting your child, they cannot take your kids away, right? And so being poor does not necessarily equal your kids get taken away. And being poor does not mean you go to prison. If you can give your nervous system those two like Hail Mary affirmations, I'm not mm-hmm. going to jail over this. I will not lose my children over this. From there, you can build a sense of safety with money, right? Because mm-hmm. all you're trying to do is go from, I don't feel great about money at all. I feel terrible when I think about it. I feel ashamed. I feel scared. There's never enough. You are not trying to go from that to, I have a millionaire mindset. Right. And a lot of people in the manifestation community stay fucking broke because they post shit on Instagram where they're like, claim it with me. I'm calling in this. And like, that's great. But the law of attraction doesn't actually work that way. It's responding to how you're feeling, not the fucking bullshit that you're putting out on Facebook with like affirmations of like claiming your own divine affluent goddess. Like, fuck you. You have to do the work. To restructure your nervous system so that you can feel safe with money. And that does not happen from jumping from a vibrational frequency of, I hate money, it hates me, I'm scared, there's never enough, to like, my bank accounts are overflowing, I get to do whatever the fuck I want, we can go out to lunch whenever the fuck we want, we can go to Target and buy shoes instead of Walmart, which like, that was a stair step for me, raising my hand and claiming that as a stair step, right? Like buying kids clothes at at Target. Like that was, that was a jump in affluence for me, right? It did not go from, I buy my kids shit at Walmart to, I buy my kids shit at Neiman Marcus, right? Both of those have kids to like right, children's right. clothing sections, right? Like it was a jump, right? And I, I don't, can't imagine that I will buy Liam anything from Neiman Marcus ever, right? But the goal is not to go from, I feel like money is never enough to, I feel like I have $437 million available to me and therefore I'm going to go buy a Ferrari and a $2 million house and a pair of Boubatons and like a cabana boy to rub oil on me, right? Like you don't have to go from one to the other. It's just a matter of reaching for a better feeling feeling, right? So you would go from there's never enough, there's never enough, there's never enough to every time I've needed to buy tampons, I've had the money to do so, right? Yeah. Every time I've ha- needed to go to the doctor, I've been able to do so. Every time I've needed to pay my rent, I was able to figure out even if it was a struggle, right? Like, and so it's just a matter of softening, 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 softening the story. And from that place of softer, stepping into the next vibrational frequency of this feels safer, this feels safer, this feels safer. Yes. Absolutely. For me, I think that started when I started to be like, okay, I'm going to invest in myself. Yeah. Right. That was a huge, that was a huge limitation that I had on on myself was, you know, I'm also a mother. Um, I own a home and I'm like, everything's got to go into my home or into my children. Or you go to the store with the intent of buying yourself some new wardrobe pieces and you come home with bags full of things for your kids because they need it more than I do. And, um, what I realized was like, for me, my healing was really important aspect of like a a big part of my growth. And I knew that that was like the ticket for me. Um, so I really, I really feel that, um, 
those little, those little steps that you can take. And for me, the one was, can you invest in yourself? At first I was like, hell no, I can't invest in myself. That's terrifying. I don't have thousands of dollars to spend on a coach or even hundreds of dollars because you can get coaches in all um, price ranges. And I went, why am I telling myself this? You know, why am I telling myself this? I had to really break that down and figure out where that was coming from and realize that that wasn't even my own voice. And I think that's what so many people miss. And to Jesus, say it again, say it again. Say yes. it again because it's it was not my story. voice. It was mm-hmm. the voice of my parents. It was the voice of society. It was the yeah. voice of even TV shows that I watch or people are yeah. struggling from everything that we take in tells us that there's never enough. And I went, no, I, I am worth the investment in myself. And I started writing little thank you notes on everything, every bill that I paid out. I know yeah. that I have the money. So thank you for allowing me to pay this and it's going Amen. to come back. And I watched the magic happen and, you know, it was unbelievable. So, um, what other like tips do you have for people that are, are struggling going like through that softening phase? Like how can they work through that? Well, I think your story really captures an important component of it. Right. And this is why, like I do social psychology. I'm not a licensed psychologist. I'm coming at this from a background of conflict resolution, which is a cross disciplinary field and my mentors were psychologists and sociologists and like that's kind of the way that my brain works is like what's the brain science side of this and what's the sociological side of this and you really articulated both of them right you said this wasn't my voice it was society's voice and it was my parents voice right and if we go back to what i said earlier right basic neurosynaptic pathway building your parents have to be right or else it creates an existential crisis for you and your toddler brain because you're like well if they're wrong like shit, I might die because they're going to get this wrong, right? Like, so your brain is, your brain is a adaptive biological safety feature is you believe that your parents are right, like when you're very, very little, right? And so you really, really understood in that moment when you were like, wait, this isn't my voice. You were recognizing that there were two different things going on, right? You've been inculcated with all of these toxic social narratives and you've been inculcated with these stories from your family, right? And like from both of those sources, your neural infrastructure was built, right? And so if you can, in a moment, right, you ask some tips and tricks, if you, people listening to this, are catching, like, first off, one, get curious. Is there an energetic threshold happening, right? Meaning, do you have a consistent credit card debt number? Do you consistently make a certain amount of money and never, ever, ever, ever more? Do you, when your bank account gets to a certain balance, right? Every time my bank account hits $700, a a weird thing happens, right? My kid gets sick and we have to go to the doctor or whatever, right? Like the windshield cracks, whatever it is. Like if you see a pattern, get curious and start instead of being pissed that it's happening, right? God, why do these expenses always pop up? Stop. The pattern is trying to teach you something. It's trying Mm. to say, Hey, yo, there's something happening here. Pay attention to it. And from that place, you can start walking down a path of healing Because you go from being angry to being in a place of action. And from a place of action, you can start to ask questions. And those questions will have answers to them, right? That your your body will respond to. So my body has a physical response. I know I've hit a trauma nerve when it goes, it's like this involuntary inhalation. My whole body feels it. And I know whether I'm dealing with money or sexual trauma or body dysmorphia or whatever, like different aspects of things that I've had to address in my life. The second I go, well, what's this story? Okay. Is it that 
what's under that? What's under that? Right. I always say like, when you're dealing with something that you're struggling with, you need to like tap into your inner three-year-old and like, just ask the question, but why? Yeah. But why? Right. And so it's like, well, I always have $12,000 of credit card debt, but why? Right. And it's like, well, because the second I have money, I pay off the credit card debt, but I, then I don't actually have enough to live off. But why? Right. And like at the root of my thing was single moms deserve to struggle. Right. Like mm -hmm. I was, a, I was bad for leaving my marriage. I was a bad, 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 bad mom, but my son deserved the best. So single moms deserve to struggle, right? All sorts of social narratives around that, right? As well as some of the stuff I grew up with. Single moms deserve to struggle. My son deserves the best, right? And so I was living in a place of conflict constantly because I was buying the best for my son. And also, like, I was setting up my life in such a way that I needed to struggle despite the fact that I had four jobs, all of which were good. I was a university professor at two different, like, George Washington University, American University. This was not like community college where I was getting paid peanuts. I was adjunct professor and worked at a law firm. I was making a lot of money relative to the American median income, right? But I was overspending it because I had two competing stories. I mm. needed to struggle in order to pay penance for leaving my marriage and my son deserved the best, right? And so when I moved from a place of this is happening and I'm so pissed off and I can't believe this to a place of, but why? <laughs> right. <laughs> and like when I peeled that orange, you know, back, like the second I were like, my body did that physical inhalation. That was my nervous system telling me like, good girl, you hit it. Woo -woo. You figured it out. Right. And then that story, those stories are what I take and I work on. So you can do softening the story and moving it through that place. What I really like to do, what I find the most effective is I go into the Akashic records with the story, mm. right? And if I'm going in for myself and going with the story and I ask what needs to be shifted, if I'm going in with a client, we do the same thing, right? But, but they're, I'm opening the portal and they're kind of stepping into the library with me and then we're doing the work, right? And so I think there's so many different modalities available to you. The thing that I want to emphasize is, um, Talk therapy does not address this. Mm. You can you can move it a lot, but the issue is these are these are core things that your nervous system has been programmed to feel because you have a lifetime of data of this is how you're supposed to feel about money. And the issue is yeah. like your the parts of your brain, your subconscious that that control your your subconscious responses to things, right? that part of your brain doesn't process language. Um, for those of you that are entrepreneurs, you can go, well, if you're not, um, go Google on YouTube, search on YouTube for Simon Sinek's um, Start With Why TED Talk. It's a, it's a great layout of, of why the psychology of this, the basic psychology of this, but your subconscious brain needs something more than talking because it doesn't process language in the same way. So if you're telling yourself, you're sitting in front of your mirror and doing 47 affirmations and you've got a start today journal by Rachel Hollis and you're writing things down 10 times every morning and you're doing all the things, right? But you're not actually addressing the nervous system component of this. You're not gonna be able to move this quickly. Um, so the things that I wanna leave your listeners with, one are fine, you know, if you're woo-woo, Go find someone that works like, like me that works in the Akashic Records. There's tons of us. This is a great yep. place to shift, right? Work with someone who's a channel. Work with someone who has the ability to move this stuff. Asterisks, make sure you're working with someone who's trauma-informed, who's coming from a background where they actually understand this stuff. And that's not to 
disparage people that don't have training who are psychics. It's to say this stuff is nuanced and it's complicated. So if you're going to someone and asking kind of like, how do I deal with this relationship conflict? Like, tell me my future about love. That's a very different thing than I have deep seated trauma around money. Help yeah. me work through it. Right. So there's there's a difference between working with someone who's trauma informed and working with someone who has spiritual gifts. Like find someone that's both because there's lots yeah. of us. Right. Um, and then the other thing is use EFT. Um, you can go to my YouTube channel. Just search me on YouTube, Dr. Liz Dubois. I have, I have free EFT tapping stuff around money. Feel free to use them. Please use them. Um, I use EFT almost every morning. It's really fast. Um, it stands for emotional freedom technique. I hate that. I call it the energetic energetic frequency tapping because what you're doing is you're you're creating the opportunity to feel better feelings very quickly by moving stories through your body. Um, so those would be my big recommendations. I love EFT so yeah. much, and that it, as you were speaking on like the, you know, going back through and actually healing and coming away from talk therapy and looking into other modalities EFT yeah. just kept popping for me because that was something that was so beneficial to me yeah. not just for my issues around money but for a yeah. lot of different things so I definitely agree with you there now you mentioned that you have a course um as well for this is that something that's active now how can we find out yeah. about that let me Yes, and hang on, let's put a, a what I want to say to people about what you're talking about with EFT. I think what so what I do with my clients is really, really powerful. And if you have a practitioner that you're comfortable with, it's trauma informed and and comfortable in these spiritual modalities, this would be my like, one, two punch recommendation. What I do is we we go through and we figure out the root beliefs. What are the root beliefs? Right? But why? But why? But why? Yeah. But why? Right? And we, we hit that. those, we hit those narrative, like core triggers. We go into the Akashic Records, we move all of the stuff, and then we we come up with a, an EFT, um, I call it like a workout video, right? We just record it, so we'll do EFT together. Um, and so, like, it, it, we, we just do EFT together. I, I can explain a little bit more if you want about, like, how the process works when you work with me. But that kind of one-two punch of, like, well, I guess it's three steps. Step one, what are the actual core beliefs, Right. Step yeah. two, going into the Akashic Records, shifting that shit. And then step three, taking all of those beliefs and every single morning, just for six or seven minutes, tapping through it, right? And what are the core beliefs saying all the shitty parts and then saying, even though those are things are things I'm telling myself, right? And then pivoting into the story you actually want to tell, right? So softening, softening, softening while you're tapping, right? If you do that process, holy shit, your life will change, right? And like, to contextualize, right, I went from making about $3,000 a month to making about $30,000 a month in less than a year. This can move wow. very, very quickly when you have the right tools. Wow, that's amazing. And I, I mean, just such a testimonial, even just that little snippet that you shared with us of, of how instrumental our healing is mm -hmm. for all of this stuff um you had touched on before <laughs> the manifestors out there right and everybody and I, I love manifestation i love it i love it i love it yeah. but like if you don't find like ooh, people don't understand what it means and so like if listen to people if you take nothing from this podcast take this if your manifestations are not coming through it's because you're 
<laughs> you are not doing it right. And that doesn't mean you're you're stupid. And it just means that there's right. a bunch of gobbledygook on the internet and people are making a lot of money by selling you courses about how to manifest your dream life. And they're actually living in poverty and doing stupid shit. Like right. if someone is trying to sell you a course about manifestation and they are not like, like your core values, like when I decided to change my life and I wanted to be really, really rich and have a life filled with freedom, I like, I, I know psychology, we, our lives reflect the five people closest to us. And I may, I set a goal. I was going to find five friends who had the core values that I wanted my life to have, which mm -hmm. I decided this is not everybody's happy, wealthy, generous, and kind. I wanted to be happy, wealthy, generous, and kind. And I made a Venn diagram and I went and found five people on the internet and I befriended them. And I said, I want to be your friend. And I hired two of them as my coaches, right? If you are taking a manifestation class from someone that does not align with your core values, whatever they are teaching is, is it's not, maybe, maybe it'll work for you. Maybe it won't, right? But I know my life changed when I started following the processes that people who were actually happy, wealthy, generous, and kind taught me, right? And that they broke it down in this very simple thing that had a lot less to do with, look at me, I'm a spiritual good girl, to this is how basic psychology works. This is the law of the universe. These are how these two things intersect. Here's your toolkit. Go make whatever the fuck you want to create, right? And I, and I did. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just about typing yes or writing it in your journal 55 oh times. God, please not... don't do that. <laughs> I mean, not how that works. Well, you know, the, the reason that that can work, the reason that that can be really, really helpful is your brain is a beautiful problem solving machine. This is the most powerful machine for solving mm -hmm. problems in the world, right? And so if your, your root psychology is looking to have the external world confirm what you believe internally. This is why if you have body dysmorphia, right, and you believe you're walking around in a size 14 and you're like, I'm so fucking fat. If 500 people say you look great and one person says you look fat, you believe that one person because it's yeah. it's ringing true to that core belief, right? And so these, these manifestation processes where we have, you know, people write 100 times for 73 days that they have a, you know, luxury black car, right? What is happening is they're laying new neural pathways that say that that's the thing that's true. And then all of a sudden their experience starts to filter out the things that are not that, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Right. So, yes, <laughs> find people who have what you want and ask what it was achieved. Yeah. How it was achieved. That is the basic tenant of 12 step programs and sponsorships. It's also the basic tenant of, of how I manifest what I want. I find people who have what I want and I go, hi, <laughs> teach me everything, you know, right. And I, and I stay in their frequency. Like they a coach that I worked with one-on-one -on -one for six months last year. I will never not be enrolled in one of her courses forever and ever and ever, because my life is so fucking good when I like stay in that juicy space with her, right. And I'm learning from her and the energy she's creating. Like I do that. Um, so if you want to do that with me, um, I do have a course called healing money trauma. Um, the summer cohort will start July one. Uh, so we're just wrapping up the winter cohort. Um, I also have a course on codependency that's launching June 1st. So for a lot of us who have money trauma, a big core component of that is codependency. Um, which I, I just simply define as being addicted to somebody else being okay. Right. Yeah. And, and for addiction, right. People will do crazy things for addictions. I'm an addict in recovery. We will put 
our well-being, our financial well-being, our physical health, we'll put everything on the back burner in order to feed our addiction. And if your addiction is somebody else being okay, right? I need my mom to feel safe. So I'm going to do all this crazy stuff. I need my daughter to feel safe. So I'm going to, you know, overspend my retirement accounts and have to go back to work, right? Like we will do crazy, crazy shit if our addiction is being addicted to someone else's approval or someone else's safety and stability, right? When we make ourselves responsible for other people's feelings, we will do crazy shit. So that course launches June 1st. And then I have a mastermind that starts May 16th. Yes, May 16th called Limitless. This is a, a much more closed container. Um, it's only open to 30 people. We're going to be going from the process of codependency and money trauma into expanding your business, expanding what it is that you want in your life. If you're a CEO, I work with a lot of executives, not just entrepreneurs, and then going through the process of really articulating what are your 10-year visions and then using spiritual modalities to collapse that timeline so that you're no longer on a track that this takes 10 years, you're on a track that it takes 10 months. So that's uh, called Limitless and that starts May 16th. Amazing. So many beautiful opportunities for anybody out there listening. So link up with Dr. Liz. All of her um, info will be in the show notes. So make sure you yes. check that out. Um, I always like to leave, I like to do these little conversation cards. So if you don't mind, can I put you on the spot for a minute? And You can, but I, I forgot one thing. My book, oh, go for it. the book that's coming out in October, it goes on pre-sale next month. It's called, Oh Fuck Now What? It's for those people that manifested their dream life, but the dream was based off what society told them, which was Ooh. my story. I had two luxury cars, perfect straight marriage, beautiful home, my baby. I had my dream job. I was the executive director of a nonprofit. I had everything I had been told that I should want, and I was fucking miserable. That is the story of most of my clients. They, they won all of the golden rings and they did all of the things and they got on the societal treadmill of am I worthy? And they got exactly what they were told they needed in order to be good. Mm -hmm. And they find out they're fucking miserable. And so I take the, the book is the process of deconditioning all of that bullshit and what to do oh, instead. So it's called, oh, fuck now what? It'll be out at the end of October. The presale starts next month. I love that. I'll have to have you back on just to talk about that Yay! whole journey and that whole story, because I would love to hear that and um, sign me up for that pre-sale. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay. So we got, I have this little conversation deck. We got a random yeah. question here, which is what's something you've done for the first time recently? Um, I captain like there's there's a couple of really inappropriate things, but I'm gonna <laughs> share one that's not insanely inappropriate. I was doing research for a book that I'm not sure if I'm actually gonna publish. We're not gonna talk about it. Instead, <laughs> instead, um, so I recently we we moved our yacht from Washington D.C. to Kent Island in Maryland. Um, we decided there's a global pandemic. Nobody's doing in-person school. Why do we live in Washington, D.C.? Oh, fuck, we have to leave again for the third time because of Donald Trump-related shenanigans. Um, I've, lived, I've lived near Capitol Hill for 19 years. I've never, ever, ever had to leave because of political stuff. We had to leave in this three times in the span of 10 weeks and go stay other places because it just... Wow. It, we, we have a dog and we needed to get off the boat to walk the dog and our neighborhood was boarded up and we, we just left the city, which is really sad. But we said, fuck it, <laughs> we're going to move to the beach. And, uh, and so we moved to the beach and the logical thing to do um, would have been to hire a captain. And my partner and I were just like, no, we, 
we feel like we got this we got this and um you know i'm a fairly decent mariner but i've never never cruised 170 nautical miles without a, a more seasoned captain um and so we did it it took us six days we got caught in a gale it was crazy my god oh, bless wow. god bless him matthew ran the yacht onto a sandbar which was my fault i was the navigator i was the navigator and i did not I was paying attention to the chart, but not the depth finder. Always listen to the depth finder over the thing on the on the GPS. Always, always, always. Yeah, but I, I cruised our boat for six days on my own with my partner and our six-year-old and our cat and our bearded dragon. And <laughs> we hit a gale and it was it was crazy, but it was the trip of a lifetime. We all wow. had to we have so much fun. If you ever are wondering if you are with the right person, go on a six day cruise, get caught. Oh, oh, that was the, <laughs> the military was running live fire drills. We like, were approaching this bridge and all of a sudden over the radio, I hear um, a southbound vessel approaching the blah, 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 bridge. Come over and I'm like, hi, this is the captain of Trilogy, blah, 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 blah. They're like, uh, please be advised that there's live fire drills going at this, um, like this naval station that you're about to go past. And they were like, go to these coordinates. So I'm like looking at the GPS and I'm like, I can't see the second coordinate. They're like, okay, here's like, here's the longitude and latitude channel. So like Matthew's sitting in the nav seat and he's like putting this on our plot charter. And we're like, okay, so we have to go here and we go here. And so like get under the bridge and I'm like going really slow because it was no wake zone. And all of a sudden we hear, kaboom! And then this huge splash and we're like, oh shit. We thought they meant like guns. They were firing cannons. Oh <laughs> it was my goodness. Insane. And so poor Liam's like down in the cabin and he's like watching the Simpsons on the iPad, like which is tethered to a hot spot on one of the phones. And like I'm like navigating through like cannonballs. <laughs> like this is actually legitimately insane. <laughs> That, I don't know that any, I, I feel like I have to put this conversation card away forever because I don't know that anybody will ever top that story. Well, I mean, it, was, it was insane because then later that night we were like, we're so proud we didn't die. And then <laughs> we got to the mouth of the Potomac, which it had taken us three days to do it had taken two days to do it was it had been a while and we like can see the, this like wave lap this like very tiny like wave lapping and we're like me and Matthew are like on the bridge and Liam's there and we're like look baby that's where the Potomac meets the Chesapeake you can see the two bodies of water meeting this is so beautiful and we're having this like magical family moment and we were also trying to like race the sunset to get to a mar to a particular marina like we booked our slip for the night like we're gonna get to this particular marina it's gonna be great and and so we're like, this is so great. This is so beautiful. We're having so much fun. This is a memory Liam's going to have forever. And we're like on the, on the bridge cheering, like crossing this. It was not where the river met the bay. The bay. It was where small waves were lapping over a sandbar that we then drove the yacht onto. <laughs> it was I mean, it was funny because nobody got hurt, but it could have been actually really, really bad. And so we like killed the engine. I'm like, oh my God. And we like called the tow boat. And so like, as the sun is setting over this magical, like, oh, the most gorgeous sunset I'd ever seen. Like this tow boat is like pulling us off the sandbar. It was, 
it was so magical it was like for a mindset coach it was like the the best moment to be able to parent my child and be like we can either be mad that this happened or we can count seashells and like watch the sunset right and yeah. it was such a it was oh it was such a good moment it was great and like the universe always has your back because had we had we not hit the sandbar we would have been in the middle of the chesapeake bay in the dark we would have never made that marina in time and so just like everything is happening for you everything is happening for you even if you think you're stuck on a sandbar that's the universe having your back <laughs> Oh, amazing. What an incredible story. I love it. I love it so much. Well, Dr. Liz, thank you so much for being here with thank us. Um, again, check out um, her links in the show notes and reach out to her because I mean, we all got some healing to do here. So <laughs> thanks for thank listening. for having me. Of course, of course. Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time on Project Healing. <laughs>